Hello, I'm Jermaine. This is Hustle Class. Um, this is a podcast that I kind of made out of nowhere, almost, um, to tackle finances primarily for, you know, 20-year-olds, teenagers, um, some some 30-year-olds maybe. Um, but, you know, this is basically my way of kind of putting game out there for those who are interested in getting started on investing or just don't know how to manage their money properly or want to have a better understanding of how um, government economy and certain other things work. Um, So in the current state of the world, we're facing the coronavirus, right? Um, You know, COVID-19 and everybody's home, everybody's self-quarantining. We're hoping that um, things get better um, sooner rather than later. And that's what we're hopeful for. But honestly, we'll see. Um, But I'm going to get right into it. Um, So this first um, episode is going to primarily be about how what stocks are and kind of how to start getting invested, um, you know, for a young person like myself, you know, early 20s or anywhere around that region. But it also helps if you're older as well. Um, So a lot of people on social media have been saying dump your money into stocks, dump your money into stocks. It's cheap. It's cheap. Um, sorry to let you know, it isn't that simple. And if you just throw your money into somewhere without doing any proper research or really understanding how things are, you will lose more money or you will regret that decision that you made to just dump money into something you have no clue about. Right. So, um, you know, um, I'm going to get started on the lesson. And the first thing that I would like to talk about is, the um the actual like sort of recessional period that we seem like we're in. So a recession is usually declared after the economy shows two um a sequence of two quarters of depression. So the economy's down or trailing or trending down for two quarters in a row. Meaning it would take kind of six months after something like this sort of starts for you to kind of declare the recession. But the stock market, uh, why did I say it like that? The stock market basically gives us um, kind of like foresight into how things will work moving forward. Um, keep in mind with the stock market, right, um, it rises and falls. But when it depresses this much this fast, it's a lot. It takes a lot longer and harder for it to climb back up than it did for it to shoot down. Sometimes that time that it's going to take for it to rise up can maybe put you in a recession. Um, so if we're looking at the current state of the economy and how things are going in the stock market, we would like to say, okay, we're heading for a recession, you know, playing devil's advocate, we're heading for a recession, right? So when you're heading towards a recession, the first thing you want to do is not dump your money into the stock market, contrary to popular belief, right? The first thing that you would want to do is take the steps necessary in case the recession affects you adversely. Um, so during recessional periods, sometimes there's high levels of unemployment. So when there are high levels of unemployment, you know, that might lead to you or somebody close to you losing a job. Who knows how your finances are looking and and what you're going to have to support in that time. So the first step in a time like this is to have an emergency fund. That means three to six months worth of expenses. Um, 
younger people like me, right, we still have the luxury of potentially have the luxury of still having your parents kind of looking out for you in certain regards. So maybe you don't need three to six months. But other of other of us have like rent and other things that we do need to pay. We have bills. So three to six months is ideal in case you have a falling out with employment or you need to support your family a little more and you need that extra cash to sustain you until you get a new job. Right. So that's what I was saying. Um, the emergency fund, three to six months worth of expenses. So that's about, I want to say, anywhere from six to 12 checks from your employer, right? That you have handy in case you're unemployed. Now, sometimes in recessional periods, banks can close, stock markets can close indefinitely, right? If something that you have your money in closes indefinitely, you're stuck if you wanted to get money out of it, right? So some of that three to six months of your emergency fund should be in cash. That is physical cash. The reason being, like I said, if banks or the market closes, you want to still have access to money if you need it, right? So have cash handy. The next thing that I'll talk about is updating your resume. Like I said, in recessional periods, sometimes you can lose employment or you might get, you know, pay cuts, stuff like that. You might need to beef up your resume or at least make it fresher so that if you need to apply for something new, you can. And, you know, you're not kind of scrambling to do that. Um, you know, and also you'll make sure your resume is kind of like top of the line because keep in mind, when jobs fire lots of people, when it's time to rehire, they get lots of applications. I'm talking thousands of applications for one position at a company, right? Because a lot of people are going to lose their jobs or have already lost their jobs with the coronavirus shutdowns. Now, the next thing I'll talk about is holding off on debt. Um, that is, if you can, you know, maybe some people, like kind of like me, you, maybe, you over, maybe you overpay your minimum on your credit cards. Maybe it's time to just kind of like pay that minimum or maybe just a little more, maybe not as much as you were paying before. Um, you know, the government um, canceled interest on uh, loan payments. So that saves you a ton, right? Um, so basically what I'm saying is hold off on paying off your debt um, even though this time is okay, things are shutting down. There's no interest on my loans. I can pay. I can pay those down fast, right? Only do that if you have excess cash laying there, meaning extra cash after your three to six month um, emergency fund. Otherwise, it's best for you to probably keep and retain that money because we honestly don't know how things will go at this particular point. Sure, if everything opens up, business back to you know back to how it was as usual, and the market's still kind of low. Oh, let's, you know, pay off our debt and, you know, things because we know things are going to get better. It's all about them announcing it. Right. But if we still are unsure and we're still uncertain, you want to make sure you have that money handy in case things go from bad to worse. Sorry, things go from bad to worse. Now, for investing, kind of how I uh, elicited to earlier, you want to invest only with excess cash. When people say dump your money to the stock market, some other people think about taking their savings account and putting into the market. That's not the way to do it. You, When you're investing, right, because investing and trading are two different things. When you're investing, you plan on keeping your money in the market for at least a year, meaning that you don't want to touch that money for at least a year. So if that's the case in your situation, you wouldn't want to dump your savings in there because who knows? Savings are for a rainy day. Who knows if a rainy day is going to come within a year? So you don't want to invest that money that's in your savings, right? Unless it is excess cash. If you told yourself you're going to have $5,000 worth of savings and you have 10K, you can use the extra 5K if the other five can sustain you. But don't take the 5K that you have and it's only 5K and that's how much you need to save and put it in the market just because everybody said you should do it. 
make sure you're making calculated decisions at this time because things are uncertain. And when things are uncertain and you're calculated, you could come out on top, right? All right. So only invest with excess cash that you have. Um, now we're going to get into stocks, right? So a lot of you hear about stocks in the stock market. So the central hub of the stock market in the U.S. is New York, right? So the stock market opens and runs on Eastern time, um, you know, 9.30 um, a.m. till uh, 4 p.m. That's how long it works, almost like a 9 to 5, but, you know, 9.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. And that's trading hours, basically. Anything that's done outside of that is after hours. And after hours stuff isn't executed until market hours, which is 9.30 to 9.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. And so... Um, basically a stock is stake in a company. So when you buy a stock, you're basically buying a share of that company. You become a shareholder, um, a decision maker, <clears throat> a contributor to that business. Um, and you've given them your money as trust between you and the business that they're going to have good business practices and they're going to either be profitable or give you some of the money that they get from the, the sales that they make or the good business that they do that year. And so Ways that you can, you know, us as, you know, common people, everyday people can tap into this market that exists in this country, right? Um, it's through applications or websites. Um, there's so many. If you Google search stock apps and stock websites, you'd find so many different things you could use. Um, I have a couple that I'm going to talk about today that's just um, more familiar to me. Um, from, I guess, I would start from easiest to use to hardest to use. And Acorns is baseline, Acorns. Then there's Stash, there's Robinhood, there's Ameritrade, TD Ameritrade, there's Weeble, right? So those are the apps that, you know, I would talk about. Now, Robinhood, Ameritrade, and Weeble kind of are in the same boat because those are all very independent stock trading investing apps or websites. And so with those, you kind of... Um, reserve more of your control you do things on your own right you don't really have a lot of support you just kind of trade and buy and invest and sell on your own whereas acorns is its own thing and stash is its own thing so let me talk about acorns real quick so acorns is an is an app or website that you can um basically what they would do is they will um they have um investment accounts and when you want to invest with them you'll give them certain um, facts about yourself. You'll tell them what your age is. You'll tell them um, when you plan on retiring, what your yearly salary is. Um, how willing are you to basically risk your money, or are you not? Do you need a more stable investment portfolio? So Acorns asks you those questions to figure out a decent portfolio for you, and then they pick out the portfolio for you. You don't have to look at any of the details. They kind of just use your information. And you put money in it and they just invest it for you and they let you see how your money grows, but they don't really let you know all the nitty gritty stuff that they're investing in for you, right? They don't let you know the very specifics. They might tell you, oh, we invested some of this in stocks, some of this in bonds, some of this in foreign stocks or some of these in um, government funds, but they won't really give you like the exact companies or the exact funds that they're using, right? They keep it vague because Acorns is a way for you to invest without having to become an investor or a stock person just to kind of you know stocks are good, you know investing is good, so you just want to partake. That's what Acorns is for. Um, Acorns, I use Acorns. Acorns charges you about a dollar a month. Um, but before this, you know, drop in the market, um, I was seeing 
way more than a dollar a month from my Acorns investment, so it was worth it, you know, so, yeah. The next one I'll talk about is Stash. So Stash is another um, stock application that requires a dollar a month for you to have it. Um, the cool thing about Stash is it kind of um, gives you a lot of, just Acorns does this too, but Stash and Acorns give you a lot of information on how to invest and ways to invest, and it kind of teaches you through these, um, you know, articles and, you know, clickables on their user interfaces that kind of let you just sort of like learn about stocks and investment in general if you don't have any clue about it. So it gives you, a, it, it, it's very educational. And that's what I say about Acorns and Stash especially. It's very educational. They have a lot of information there to, you know, teach you a thing or two while you're um, trading or investing. With Stash, um, one of the most attractive things for Stash is fractional shares. So the first apps I talked about at first, um, Robinhood, Webull, and um, Ameritrade, those applications you're using to buy, like, whole stock, especially Robinhood. You're using it to buy, like, an actual share, meaning if a share of Apple is $300, I am paying $300 for that share. If a share of Amazon is $1,250, I'm paying, you know, $1,250 for that share. In Stash, because some people might not have that much to buy for, a to pay for a share, they will make it available for you to use um, just a portion of your money to buy a fraction of a share. So say I wanted to, I wanted Apple stock, but I didn't have $300 to pay. I had 100 they would let me give them a hundred and give me a fraction of Apple stock, whatever, you know, they would do the math. What, what is a hundred equal to how much Apple stock, you know, maybe it's like, uh, you know, 30% of a share or 40% of a share, right? They would do that math and, um, that's how they would invest it. So you'd be able to see how much Apple you have, which would be like a point zero something or a point something, right? So, that's the very attractive thing about Stash because a lot of these other, you know, stuff would require you to spend that bread on, um, you know, spend that bread. That's, you know, spend money. Yeah, spend that bread on um, uh, on a on an actual share, which can sometimes be expensive. Um, so that's a benefit of, of Stash. Um, yeah. And then Robinhood. Robinhood is the one I use um, a lot. And um, Robinhood is kind of like if you really want to get to know how you're doing you know some people like to just you know when sometimes how, how i'll say this is sometimes when you know you get you buy something online that you have to set up in your house some people want to just try their hand at it and see if they can learn it on the fly and other people would like to read the manual or menu to kind of figure out what to do um about the situation so using a menu to kind of figure out what you're doing is like stash and um acorns kind of just like buying something and just trying to fix it yourself from scratch is kind of like using Robin Hood. Like you kind of, it, it's, it's a, high, it's a big learning curve. And that's what I like about it because I did have stash and acorns at first and I felt like I didn't really know what was going on. I did. I just knew that I was investing and I was seeing some profit, but I didn't really know what was going on. So I got into Robin Hood and that's where I kind of really gained a, a breadth of knowledge for investing and then even trading. Cause Robin Hood, you can trade a lot as well. Um, so yeah, on Robinhood, it kind of um, you know, has um a lot of stocks individually set up. So you can buy Apple, you can buy Amazon, you can buy Netflix, you can buy like Google, um, you know, you can buy Costco, Walmart, like you can buy kind of whatever you want if you know how to look up um the name of the stock. And so I really like Robinhood. Um, Ameritrade and Webull work the same way, um, but I don't use them, so I can't really I'm not versed enough to speak on them extensively. But yeah, and um, another thing that's attractive about 
um, stash that I didn't mention before is stash um, has these groups of stocks um, sort of like ETFs so an ETF is like a group of stocks um, and I'll explain what an ETF is later but stash lets you invest in ETFs so what that looks like is you know I don't want to put all my money into Apple or Disney so stash might have a group of stocks that has Robinhood in it a little like it'll it'll have um sorry I misspoke not Robinhood it'll have like 10% of Apple 10% of Disney 10% of Netflix like 10% of Costco it'll have like little shares and pieces in one big whole group called an ETF and it'll let you invest in that so that you're not risking everything on one thing because keep in mind if you invested everything in Apple and Apple tanks tomorrow you lost all your money but also, if you invest in Apple by itself and it goes up, you get to keep all your money too. That's great. But some people don't like that risk level. So they'd rather invest in something that has 10% Apple, 10% Disney. Like I was saying, it has a little bit of everything, right? So that if they invest in it, they can kind of see their money grow a little bit. Not too much, but it won't sink a lot either if things go south, right? If one company fails, you have a group of 10 stocks. So, you know, one out of 10 isn't going to really kill it, right? So that's why, that's what people like to do sometimes. So that's a benefit of Stash. Now, I've talked about the applications, and if, if there are any questions about anything that's going on, feel free to um, email or um, message me, but email is probably the best way, and I can explain things better over phone or in person or whatever it would look like, um, yeah. And so, the next thing that I'm going to talk about is... Um, the different types of stock, and this is how I categorize them for my listenership based on how I understand them. So there's, um, there's three types of stock that I see primarily. Um, there's high profit stocks, high dividend stocks, and then there's mid, right? That's medium dividend, medium profit. High profit stocks, the three that I'm going to talk about are like, um, or let me say four, right? Apple, um, Google, um, Amazon, and Netflix. So the stocks I just mentioned are high profit because when you buy a share in that company, right, the, the share you paid for, what they're going to try to do is increase the value of your share through profit. So when they make sales or they do business and they get profits at the end of the year, they reinvest it back into the business to grow the business and increase the price of their stock. So that's why it's high profit. When you invest in them, they try to just get bigger so that your investment is worth more. That's how they work. Now, high dividend stock, right? For high dividend stock, those stocks are usually cheaper. Um, you know, those are like the high dividend stocks are usually companies that are more established like a Costco or a Walmart, right? They've been around for a long time. They're they they are trying to, you know, improve their business practices, maybe refurbish like um a local store or something like that, right? But they're not doing any next gen, you know, tech or anything moving industry forward. They're kind of just doing what they've been doing for the last 50 to 100 years, right? They're just doing what they've been doing. And so, those are high dividend because when you buy a share in those companies, that's a trust between you two. Okay, they trust me. They gave me some of, their, some of their money to use to do our business. Once we get our sales in and we do good business for the year, 
will give you a little bit of that money every three months as long as you have a share or however many shares you have it multiplies if i have two shares it's that amount that they give every three months times two if you know so and then it translates right as you have more shares the more dividend payouts you get and so those are high dividend right they're not really expanding business they're just kind of doing their day-to-day when you buy stock in them because you bought a stock for them that's money they can use to do stuff they will pay you every three months right every quarter which is every three months and so those are high dividend um now there's moderate profit and moderate dividend right so though that the company that i'll talk about with that is kind of like disney where disney you know is established you know disney world disneyland you know Disney Channel, you know, their movies, like, Disney is in good business, right? And they have lots of real estate as well. So they're in good business, right? Um, but the thing about Disney is they are also still kind of trying to innovate and, you know, push things forward. As we see, Disney Plus, right? They just got on streaming. So they are still trying to push things forward in terms of industry and, you know, their their technology, right? So when I invest in Disney, right now Disney stock is $90, right? If I invest in Disney for $90, Based on however many sales they get from streaming and, you know, partnering with the ESPN to get them to do a bundle with them and whatever they do in terms of business to expand it, that might take the share from $90 to $150, which is high profit. That's like $60 worth of profit. But they also, because like I said, they're established, they also hand out really good dividends every three months. So those are one of the, you know, it's one of those middle companies where, yes, they're they're going to get decent profits, right? Maybe not like Apple and Amazon and Google, but they're still going to like $60 in a year is, is a solid amount of money, right? Out of nowhere, right? You basically almost doubled your money, right? And so, you know, for that to happen and then for them to also be giving you um, for every share you have money back every three months is also uh, excellent. So that's why we say that Disney finds itself in the moderate profit, moderate dividend range, Um and so I have an analogy that I would discuss that kind of can give you a better idea of what the, um, you know, the high profit, high dividend, moderate is, right? And this might be confusing um, for some, but for others, it might not be. So let's say you and your friend wanted to start, um, and let's say you and your friend, right? When I say you and your friend, I mean you and the stock, <laughs> basically, um, let's say that you guys had wanted to come together and get into the shoe business by way of Yeezys, right? In the high profit scenario, I would bring $100, the company would bring $100, we put it together, we have $200. We use that $200 to buy a pair of Yeezys, right? Once we get that pair of Yeezys, we sell it for 250 right? So we just had a $50 profit, Right? What a high profit dividend, what a high profit company would do is it would take that fifty dollars, reinvest it back into the business. Meaning now we're going to be buying Yeezys with two hundred and fifty dollars, right? We're not going to keep that profit. We're going to take that profit and reinvest it back into the business. That's high profit, right? We put our money together, and all I can do is you know, reinvest it back into the business. But keep in mind because. We just made a $50 profit split between us two. Now, my stake in the company isn't $100. It's now $125. $125 from my end and $125 from their end makes that $250. So if one day I said, you know what? I don't want to be in this business anymore and I left, 
I would leave with 125 more than I came in with, right? But I have to leave before I get that money. That's how high profit um, companies work, right? Now we're going to talk about high dividend companies, right? Now, same scenario. I bring 100, the company brings 100, put it together, 200. We're buying Yeezys. We buy the Yeezys for $200. We sell it for $250. We have a profit of $50. In a high dividend stock, right? We just made $50. What are we going to do? We're going to take the 50 and break it in half. They'll keep 25. I'll keep 25, put it in my pocket right now, and we'll only use the $200 that we used for that we had for our initial investment to reinvest in Yeezys. So we're not kind of like the first example taking the 250 and putting it back in. No, we're taking the 50 off the top. You put 25 in your pocket. I put 25 in my pocket, and we're going to reinvest in Yeezys with the 200 that we, you know, started with that we made back basically. So that's how high dividend stocks work. And if I were to pull my money out one day, I would just get my 100 back. But I would have been getting that 25, right, consistently on the on the side, right? Okay. Now, um, moderate profit, moderate dividend. How that works. Once again, we're buying Yeezys. I bring 100. The company brings 100. We have 200, Right? We want to. We bought our Yeezys for two hundred. We want to sell it for two fifty. So that's an extra. That's a fifty dollar profit, right? With the fifty dollar profit, right? We'll split that, right? We'll we'll take out of the fifty dollars. We'll take twenty. We'll take twenty out of the fifty. We'll break that twenty down in the middle. They will pocket ten. I will pocket ten. There's thirty left. That thirty is going to be reinvested back into the Yeezy business. So now we're using two hundred and thirty dollars to buy our Yeezys. So you can kind of see, right? We did reinvest some of the money and increased the amount of money we're using to invest in, in Yeezys, but we still pocketed a little sum, which was ten dollars each. Not as much as the high dividend, but still, it's better than not having anything, which is what we had from the first scenario, right? With the high profit. So that, so this Yeezy um, analogy can kind of give you an idea of how different stocks work high profit high dividend moderate profit moderate dividend right so uh, you guys can probably imagine what stock i like to invest in i'm more of a moderate medium dividend kind of guy when it comes to like what i'm investing in more frequently right but those stocks can sometimes be more expensive or costly than high dividend so if i have a little more money that i you know to chop up right i have like let's say i have like 20 dollars instead of 100 i might opt for a high dividend because those are probably going to be like worth $20. Whereas the ones that are more moderate might be around closer to around a hundred dollars, which I don't have the money for. All right. So we just talked about um, the different types of stocks, right? Now we're going to talk about the difference between investing and trading, right? So um, in my opinion, the main difference between investing and trading um, are two things are two things. Well, it's one and the same. So how long you keep the stock? Any stock that you keep for less than a year is a traded stock. And any stock that you have for over a year is an invested, right? Um, and with that comes tax reasons. So that's kind of why I said they're one and the same because tax reasons and the, the time reasons, right? But the tax reasons are because of the time. Okay, so let me explain it. When you trade, right? Um... When you trade and you you buy something and sell it within a year, you have to get taxed uh, capital gains, right? 
Um, that means the government wants some of the profits you made because you technically just did a business transaction, right? There has to be taxes on that. So um, if I were to, um, you know, put in $100 into something, it got to $200, and before the year was over, I sold it for $200, right? I just made a $100 profit. The government is going to keep about 30% of that. That's the average, about 30% of that, right? So that's just in perspective. So if I sold it within a year, the government will keep $30 and I get to keep $70 profit. Now, that's trading, right? When you invest and you keep it in and you keep money in a stock or anything for over a year, that's considered investing. So what happens is if the same scenario happened where it shot up to $200 and I waited till after a year, that $100 profit, the government would only take on average 10 to 15%. Meaning that instead of them keeping $30, they would keep $10 to $15, right? Which is more ideal, right? I get to keep, um, the government takes half the money they would take if I just keep it for over a year. That's good. Um, so that's the difference between trading and investing. Um, granted, there might be certain situations or scenarios where, you know, you might just want to sell your stock and just get the extra, you know, the 30% off that the government's going to have to take. And that's understandable. But I was just giving you an understanding of the difference between investing and trading. All right. Um, the next thing that we're going to do is um, talk about ETFs, like I talked about earlier, right, versus singular stock. An ETF is a collection of stocks. Um, and a singular stock is a singular stock. What I said about Stash earlier, right, ETFs, they'll have something called like blue chips. Blue chips will be like um, maybe 25% of Amazon or 25% of it will be Amazon, 25% of it will be um, Facebook, 25% of it will be Google, 25% of it will be Apple. So they've broken it up into like four different, you know, four different um, stocks into one, right? So um, that's how they, they group it, right? They make it a group so that you don't lose too much, you don't make too much, right? And then if you have a singular stock, that's like Apple or Disney or Netflix. Like those are singular stocks, right? An analogy that I like to use to, um, describe this is like, imagine you go to a store, right? Um, you know, let's say before the coronavirus thing happened, right? You want to go to the store and stock up on, you know, on, on supplies. You go to the cereal section and you see Cocoa Puffs. That's like a singular stock, Cocoa Puffs. Okay. Hmm. But what if I like, so it's like, okay, I can get Cocoa Puffs, right? And you know, that means that if I really enjoy the Cocoa Puffs, I'm going to be eating all of that anyway. So it's great. But if I don't really enjoy it that much, like, dang, I didn't really have any other options to pick from. That's kind of like a singular stock. If you get, if you buy it, yes, if it goes up, it goes up. But if it goes down, it goes down. So you have all that risk on one stock. An ETF is like going to the store and saying, hey, I want multiple cereals because I can't pick and choose, right? And so you'll end up getting multiple cereals. Granted, because you're getting multiple cereals, you're not going to get as big of a box. You're not going to get the big box of Cocoa Puffs. You're going to get, like, you know, a small, like, I want to say a bite-sized box of, like, Frosted Flakes, a bite-sized box of, like, Cinnamon Toast. You're going to get multiple different boxes. But what that means is if you don't like any one of them or they don't satisfy you, it won't really affect the full circle because you still have other options in there, right? So that's what an ETF does for you. It kind of groups stocks together so there's less risk overall. Less reward but less risk, right? So that's an ETF. And so, um, like I said, if you have any questions about these, 
you can email. So the email for this podcast is going to be hustle class. Um, and the hustle class is H U S S L E C L A S S. Um, I know the hustle's misspelled, but don't worry about it. It's spelled right in my head. Yes, sir. Um, so that's about it. And I mean, the next step, um, for you now that you have, you know, information, but you know what you're going to do now that there's a recession showing, you know what a stock is, you know, the apps you can use, you know what the different types of stocks are, you know, whether or not you want to trade or invest, you know, what an ETF is and what a singular stock is. You have all this information in your toolkit. The next step is for you to actually pick an app and get it right. Pick an app like, you know, you might want to have a more hands off approach with, you know, acorns. You might want to have a little guidance stash. You might want to not get charged monthly at all. So use Robinhood, Ameritrade or um, Weeble, but forfeit the help and have to kind of learn it from the ground up. Right. So you can pick that after that. You can figure out your investment strategy. What I like to tell people who are just getting started out investing is, yes, investing is about numbers and money and, you know, earnings and CEOs and business practices and all this other, you know, stuff. But a lot of it is also centered around global understanding and just understanding what's going on in the world around you. Right. Um, How I like to tell people is so I didn't have to look at numbers. Right. To know that um, the airlines were going to go down in the Corona crisis. I was on my way to Miami before things got hectic and my flight was empty just because of the scares that were happening, right? So my flight, I didn't have anybody in front of me or anybody behind me or anybody next to me. With that being said, I was like, oh, these stocks are going down, right? So if at that point I had airline stock, I probably would have sold it because I would have been like, yo, they're about to lose so much money in sales because nobody's traveling anywhere. That's global understanding, right? Or saying, you know what? Hand sanitizer sold out, masks are sold out. You know what? Mask and hand sanitizer stock are going to go up because they're making a lot of sales. And it was true. They went up because, you know, they're selling a lot, right? So a lot of the stock stuff that I engage in is more about understanding the world around you. Granted, I'm solid at math, like statistics, engineering, you name it. But a lot of my investing has to do with understanding like where the world is or where, where things are for a company or a business and, you know, the decisions that are being made by regular human beings every day in regards to that business. So you can pick your investment strategy. Another thing I like to tell people is to invest in things that they're interested in because chances are you can tell from what you're interested in and what a good business is and what a bad business is. A lot of women are into like fashion and makeup, right, and cosmetics. If you invest in those businesses, you'll know when they're doing well and when they're doing bad or when something is going to break and do very well and when something is going to on the verge of collapse just because you really get it. The same way I'm an engineer, right? So when I started my investment journey, I started invested in like tech and like engineering companies just because I knew it. And, you know, I hit gold on a couple of companies. Um, I would say I probably hit gold on every company, but, you know, it's just because I know the business and I know what's in style. I know what's trending and where the industry is headed. And so I can make good decisions in that space. So that's um, what I would like to say about, you know, picking a strategy. Now, some some people need multiple apps. So if you need to get more than one app, do that. You know, some people would like to use one app for, you know, high profits, another app for high dividends, um, you know, another app for certain industries, a certain app for different industries or like strategies or whatever. So, I mean, you could pick and choose and mix and match. Um, and sometimes these stock apps do crash in times of chaos. Like Robinhood crashed. Um, I think it's cr- it crashed one time on its own. 
Um, so I couldn't access my Robinhood account that whole day. I would have really loved to have a Webull at that point just on the side because would, it would have saved me a little bit of money, right? Or I would have made a little money on that, on that, right? So just to, just to be mindful of that. Um, and then, uh, the next thing you want to do after you get your applications is deposit money in your investment accounts. Like I said, make sure it's excess cash. So make sure it's not money that you need anytime soon. Cause I wouldn't want to see, you know, you investing money and trying to scramble for it and your money, your account isn't what it used to be, or, you know, it hasn't had enough time in the market. So it didn't rise the way you wanted it to, but you need the cash and then you get capital gains tax anyway, stuff like that. So, you know. Um, after that, you, so once you pick, put your money in your investment account, you will now, based on your strategy, figure out a good time for entry. Okay. So if, let's say it was an engineering company, right? And you were like, okay, when is the next, when is the next time they're going to have like a press conference? Like Apple, when is the next time they're going to have a conference? What are they looking to unveil? Like, you know, uh, is it, is it Christmas where people are going to be buying mad iPhones and getting, you know new contracts for their phones and stuff like what like what's what's the state of the country what's the state of the company what are the decisions that are going to be be being made for these stocks as time progresses so when you look at that stuff you can kind of bait you can kind of figure out a good point of entry to get into that business right or to invest in that stock next is let your money work for you and increase you know the value so, like I said, once you put your money in, don't try to take it out, you know, just let your money sit there and let your money do what it's supposed to do based on the decisions that you made from your research and from your strategy. Let your money do its thing. Don't be too, you know, giddy. Don't be too, like, anxious. Just kind of let your money do what it's supposed to do because even though the market rises and falls um, over the course of our lifetimes, you know, with inflation, it's, things just get better. Warren Buffett's a billionaire, and I'm sure he just kind of kept his money in there, right? He did move it around here and there, but generally it stuck where it was, right? And so just be patient and, you know, let the market do what it does and, you know, you'll get some money on you and, you know, have something to, you know, leave a legacy with. And so um, that's that um, for this. Um, it was way longer than I expected, um, but I feel like it's valuable information. Um, if there's any questions based on anything that was discussed, anything that needs to be clarified, I'm open to doing that. This is fun for me. I enjoy, um, you know, stocks and numbers and breaking it down and all that stuff. So um, feel free to reach out and just let me know and I'll make sure I make the necessary adjustments. So um, hustle class out. Dismissed. <laughs>